0: Well, thanks again for being here. We welcome you. We're glad you're with us. Uh, Grace Community Church, one church, two locations. Glad that you're part of us. And we're starting a brand new series today. And I'm really pumped at that. Uh, Just excited about getting into this STEAM, Momentum for Life. Really, we realize a lot of times in the Christian life, uh, we can get kind of stagnated. And sometimes it doesn't seem like we're growing like we should. And really, this series is designed to, with practical teaching, to get us kind of off dead center, to, to get us moving and uh, enjoying the life that God has intended us to have in Him. And that's what it's all about. But uh, as I was talk, as I was thinking through how we were going to do this and how I was going to launch this, I thought I had the perfect sermon and uh, I was really excited about the teaching, but then I realized that maybe we need to take a step back. And make sure that we had everybody on the boat uh, before we took off and started motoring across the water. And and as I was doing that, uh, I thought, well, yeah, I'll just add that on. And more and more, I just felt like, hey, we needed to stop and kind of, before we get started, and examine ourselves and see kind of where we're at. As a matter of fact, there's scriptural precedent for doing this. Uh, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 he says test yourselves to see if you're in the faith examine yourselves or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test and uh so I gotta tell you as pastor at grace as our church has been growing and every once in a while if you've been here any length of the time you heard one of these talks before but uh But sometimes I worry, uh, I get concerned that maybe as new people are coming in, which we love, we love this, but as more and more people come in, sometimes I wonder if some people are primarily coming to Grace uh, because they like the coffee or because they know somebody wants them to be here or because they enjoy connecting with some of their friends or connecting with new people or whatever the case may be, which are all good things. But my concern is that some people aren't here because they have a desire to be here that's flown out of their relationship with God, that they want to grow in Christ. They want to grow and know God more and understand more about how to do life his way. And so that's the thing. And so Paul here tells us, examine ourselves. And he's writing this to a church. And so I think we need to do that. So the first thing we might ask is, well, how? How do we examine ourselves? Well, let's start by doing this. If somebody came up to you and asked you, or, or I'm just asking you now, how do you know that you're a Christian? How do you know? I'm going to give you a moment to just form, formulate. If I called you up here on the platform, what your answer would be. How do you know... That you're a Christian. So just just take a second and try to, in your mind, put that answer into words. Because I ask people this a lot. And when I ask it, uh, here's three of the main responses I get. Sometimes people say, and so now I want you to formulate your response before I go through these. So you got it? Wow, okay, I I need way more participation than that. All right, I'm asking the question, how do you know you're a Christian? Everybody kind of got an answer in their mind? Hey, all right, now we're talking. All right, so when I ask this question, three of the main responses I get is some people say, I'm not sure, I I don't know. All right, the second most, another, this is not the second most popular, but another one that, that comes up is people will say, Oh, how do I know I'm a Christian? Well, I've always believed. So that's their answer, second answer. And then there's a third answer, and I get all three of these often. The the third answer, it goes something like this. How do I know I'm a Christian? Well, because I'm doing everything I can to follow God. I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. That's how I know. Now, all three of these responses, and maybe... Maybe that covered your response, one of those, and I'm not asking you to express that, but if that was your, if one of those answers was your response, those answers are indicative of somebody who does not understand the gospel, which is the most important message that God has given us. Gospel just means good news. If you answer that way, it means you don't really understand the good news. That God has given us. So what I thought we would do before we really get into the meat of this series is really try to cover the basics that that we would cover the, the four main elements, if you will, of this good news. The four main elements of really God's story. And the first element is God. Uh, that God is our creator. And he has created everything. And And what I'm going to do as we talk, I'd like to go through a passage of Scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. But before we get there, I want to start in Ephesians chapter 1. And if you'd like, you can follow along. So here's how we kind of start with God. Here's Paul writing the Ephesian church. Here's what he says. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what Is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory. Of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power. Toward us who believe. These are in accordance with. The working of the strength of his might. Which he brought about in Christ. When he raised him from the dead. And seated him at his right hand. In the heavenly places. Now he's talking about Christ. Far above all rule and authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. This is the Father putting these things under Christ's feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who who fills all and all. Now, when he mentions the church here, the church just means all people who truly believe, all people who really have examined themselves and found that they are in the faith. But what he's talking about really is the surpassing greatness of the Father and the Son, of God. And we experience this every day today. Whether we look in a telescope or a microscope, we see the power and the greatness of God we see his creation because all that is is God's and this is why we never have to fear truth this is why believers can be truth seekers because there is no truth because all truth is God's truth there is no truth that contradicts God's revealed truth in his word. And we don't ever have to be concerned about that. We don't have to freak out when science thinks they have some new theory about something that seems to contradict God's word. If it's true, we seek truth. And there is no truth that we'll ever find out there, and we haven't yet, that contradicts the truth of God's word. So we're looking at the power of God and and what he means to us and, and who he is in our lives. And, and that's the starting point of the gospel. I, I was just reading recently about how Copernicus had a hard time convincing people that the earth wasn't the center of the universe. And uh, that the sun was. And he, he was doing that. And, and I kind of understand that. Because it's in our nature to think that we are the most important thing. It's in our nature to think that everything revolves around our lives moment by moment. That's just the way we see things. And of course, Copernicus didn't know the half of it because even the sun is not the center of the universe. That's just the solar system. And I think God created it that way to teach us something that we are not the center and so what God's done is he's given us revelation to to reveal himself to us and he gives us enough information that we can know God we can know enough to connect with God have a relationship with God but he does not tell us everything about himself because it would be impossible for us to absorb everything about God because God's infinite and we are finite. Even if he did tell us everything, we couldn't get it all in anyway. And so God is revealing himself to us and that's where everything starts. And then the next element, the second element in God's story is mankind. Or us, and where we fit in. And where we, the first thing we need to know is we are not the center. God is. We do not complete God. God is complete without us. God created us, but God did something, and He created everything that exists, is created by God, but He created us with a special gift called that we've been created in the image of God. That's how mankind that's how we are as people. We're made in the image of God and part of what that means is that we've been given this freedom to choose to rationally understand God but also have the freedom to choose to follow him or not. This freedom of choice and unfortunately because of that this huge gift of freedom every single one of us has rebelled against god we've all done things that god says are wrong we we start off that way we've all violated his commands we've all messed up we've all we're every one of us we are all morally flawed and we're more deeply flawed than we realize because we we compare ourselves morally to other people who are also flawed, but God's revealed himself so we can compare ourselves to him. And it's only when we do that that we start getting a small glimpse of just how deeply flawed we really are. And there's an issue here. God is saying that when we do things that are wrong, that he says are wrong, things against what he says, this is called sin. Sin. This is really rebellion against our creator. And God says that that sin, that rebellion, it it should be punished. That's the right thing. For justice to exist, sin, wrongdoing, must be punished. And God says that's a reality in our universe. And I got to tell you, there's some hard teaching when we find out about what God has revealed about himself. We learn about the severity of God. We learn about the wrath of God. We learn that, that our sin deserves punishment, and that punishment is hell, separation from God forever, and it's bad news. And what's happened in our day is that a lot of uh, churches and, and, and preachers, they've decided, what they've done is they've, they leave out kind of the hard truth Of what God has said. And so they don't talk about sin. Or judgment. Or hell. Or or the severity of God. But when they do that. They're betraying the word of God. They're betraying the truth. And what else they're doing. Is they are gutting the gospel of its meaning. Because this gospel that I'm explaining to you. This main message of the entire Bible. It only makes sense. If, if there is punishment for our sin, you take that away and it really has no meaning anymore. And, th- and we need to get that. We, we need to understand what that's all about. And, it's, and the reason churches do that is, is they do that in, and they say that's being loving. We don't want to say the harsh things because that doesn't sound loving. But withholding vital truth from people is never loving. That's the wrong way to love. We love with truth. And so that's the difference. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ is widely considered in our culture by believers and non-believers alike as one of the most loving people who ever lived. And Jesus talked about hell a lot. Let me give you an example In Matthew uh, chapter 18, here's what Jesus says. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, and what he means by that is sin, cut it off and throw it from you, it's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be cast into the eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. And throw it from you. It's better for you to enter life with one eye. Than to have two eyes and be cast into the fiery hell. This is what Jesus said. This is what eyewitnesses recorded. Came out of Jesus' mouth. That they've written down in the first century. And we still have it today. And what's he saying there? What, What Jesus is saying. Is it would be better for you. If you were never able to drive a car, or hike up a mountain, it would be better for you to not even be able to brush your own teeth than it would be for you to be able to do those things and end up going to hell. It'd be better that if you couldn't do any of those things and that you would be with God forever. And the second part of what he is saying, is talking about our eyes plucking it out. He's trying to teach us something there. He's not teaching us to maim our bodies. What he's teaching us is, it would be better for us to never see a sunrise or a sunset or, or the stars blanketing the sky that God created. It'd be better for us to never see any of that than to see all that and be, at the end of our lives, outside the kingdom of God. He's saying it would be better for us to never be able to see, uh, for example, me, my daughters playing together. Or my son to throw a ball. It would be better for me never to be able to see any of that and spend eternity with god than rather than to be able to see all that but then end up spending my eternity outside the kingdom of god that's what he's telling us he's talking about the the cost he's talking us about the penalty of our sin and then here's what he says as he continues in ephesians and now we're in chapter 2 verse 1. he says and you are dead in your trespasses and sins in Paul's writing a church in, in Ephesus. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit, that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. You see, Paul's saying some strong things here. He's writing to this church, and he's reminding them that we're all under judgment. We're all under God's wrath. And the, and the way he, he says that to us, he's, he says, hey, we're all dead in our sin. We're all influenced by Satan. We're all controlled by lust, And we're all under God's wrath. That's how we start out. That's where we all are. So it's God and then us, and this is where we all are at. We're all under his wrath. And and there's another problem. God does not pardon. Not the way we think of pardon. We think of pardon, for example, an American president, right, has the constitutional ability, authority to pardon criminals, and, and so typically what happens is in the last day or two of their last presidential term, then a president will sit down and start pardoning people. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah so he does that. And when he does that, and he does that at the very end of his term because he has nothing to lose. And the reason he does it at the end of his term because he, he has nothing to lose is because there's a whole bunch of people that don't like it. And who are they? They're the victims of the crimes that the people have committed. And so there's a whole bunch of people crying out, that's not right. And so what happens is an American president, he pardons people, and it's really, it's by grace, It's a gift. I mean, they don't deserve pardoning. They're they're in there doing their time because they've done something bad and hurt people usually in one way or the other. And so he gives them this grace that, hey, they get a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it's not justice because the crime has not been paid for. That's why you have people screaming, that's not right. He hasn't paid. See, God doesn't pardon that way, God doesn't pardon with grace, missing judgment. And that's really where the third element of God's story comes in. God, mankind, Jesus. You see, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who came and allowed himself to be tortured to death ...on a cross at that time outside the walls of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Think about it. The creator of the universe was tortured by his own creation... ...hung on a cross, nailed to chunks of wood... ...and bled out on the cross... For us in payment for our sin. And let's pick that up where we left off with verse 3. Now verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, here Paul is explaining to the church in Ephesus, here's, what, here's, who, here's who God is, here's who we are, all transgressors dead in our sins under the wrath of God. Children of God's wrath. That's who we are. And then Jesus came to change this. And if you think about it. At the heart of the gospel. At the heart of this message. There's a rare brand of honesty. Where people see themselves in light of revealed truth. And in, in, For the first time, we start seeing ourselves as we really are, which is more deeply flawed than we ever realized because we start comparing ourselves to God's righteousness rather than other flawed people. And it's only then, it's only when we see ourselves that way that then we can see the grace of God It's only when we see that we're more deeply flawed than we ever thought that we can then realize, oh, well, then if God's done this for me, that means I'm more loved than I've ever imagined. That's the message. That's what we have to understand. That's what we have to know. And then when we understand this truth... There's that last element, the fourth element, and that is that we need to not just know it, we need to respond to this information. You see, the gospel is more news than it is informational or instructional. It's really news that we need to respond to, that demands a response from us. That's that's the whole thrust of the Bible. And then let's pick up these last two verses, eight and nine. "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast." He, he, he first, he's talking about that salvation. And you only need salvation if you have a problem. And that is we are under God's wrath. And if we want to be saved from that, we have to first understand it's only by grace. It's a gift. It's not by works. It's a free gift that God is offering us. And we we tried to illustrate that, right? The whole month of December when we were doing the You've Been Gifted cards the sort of the spontaneous random gift that we would just, somebody who wasn't expected, we just gave them hopefully a useful gift, something they would appreciate for nothing, for free. It, that's, that's a description. That's an illustration of, of God's gift to us. You now, grace, grace. Is, God's grace is amazing. It's everything. I was recently reading an author who, who was kind of saying the grace of God is more liquid than it is solid. He was pointing out you know, solid things are stationary. I mean, you set something on the counter and it just stays there until you come back the next day. It's still there. But liquid doesn't do that. Liquid needs to be contained. You pour liquid out on the counter and it's going everywhere. Last, uh, at Christmas, I bought my wife a A dishwasher. And so I installed it. I mean, half the work was done. There was already a dishwasher there. So I took that one out. I installed the new one. And then it's been running amazingly. It's been running now for a a few days. But then I decided to take off the bottom. I I said, next time you run it, let me know. I need to take off that bottom panel. I want to look in there. And I want to make sure that there are no leaks. Because you know how leaks are? They might not show up you know on your kitchen floor you might not even know they're there and they have a way of working themselves into every crack and crevice until you know and then down 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 until finally you got a puddle in your basement or something you know what i'm talking about that that's how leaks are that that's how that's how grace is grace flows i think we instinctively know grace is more like a liquid cuz that's what we say grace flows it flows that's what grace does. But before, God, before God's grace can really flow into our life, it really needs cracks. You know, and, and it needs crevices. It needs places to go. A lot of human souls are like polished marble. And they think they're okay, and they don't think they have a need, and there's no place for God's grace to penetrate into that heart. But the whole message of the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the sacrificial system to first sin, sacrificial system to the coming of the Messiah, who basically, it was almost like the sacrificial system was just Just a setup for the slaughtering of Jesus. It's only when we we know we have flaws, when we understand our brokenness, when we understand that, that I'm cracked. We're all cracked. You got it? It's only when you understand our brokenness and our sin and our need. That's the only way that God's grace can penetrate into our lives. If we ever think there's another way, if we ever think that we can live a good enough life to earn heaven or earn God's favor or or be right with God in that way, then, then the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his torture, his death, his burial, resurrection, none of that would be needed. One way. The only way for us to be right with God is grace. There's no other way. That's why God allowed such an expensive price to be paid for you. That's the measure of God's love. We talked about that. Sacrifice. That's that's how you prove love. Sacrifice. That's how God's proved his love for us. And he offers us grace. Grace. So how do we get it? If we have to respond, and if it's grace that's being offered, what's the response? And it says it right there. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is the necessary response. There's a prerequisite here. The prerequisite is that you realize you have a need. You realize that you, you are broken in yourself. You realize that you're under God's wrath. And then when you, when you get that, then you appreciate grace. Then you can receive grace through faith. And, and let me explain faith. Faith is an act of our will. Faith is how we respond to God. The news requires a response from us. And when we respond in faith. God comes into our lives forever. And then if we were to read on. Will show us how to live and follow him. And and we can have a new life in Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about. But it all starts. With our response. To God's grace. The response. Of faith. That's when we trust or it's not just believe hey i believe this hey i believe god created me hey i believe jesus lived and he died i get all that i believe it intellectually no john three sixteen says when you believe in you know when you place your trust in christ it's it's more than just believing about it's believing in it's having faith in it's trusting in jesus and jesus alone and and in our human nature we keep messing this up Because we think we're the center and somehow we keep thinking that our good things make us partially at least okay with God. And the whole Bible, the seriousness of sin, the seriousness of sacrifice, how blood had to flow. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood, Scripture's telling us. It's that serious. It's that serious because there's nothing we can do. To earn our salvation. It's all grace. It's all a gift. We don't bring anything to the table. Except for our brokenness. Our sin. Our cracks. That's all we have. But when we do that. Grace can flow. And when grace starts flowing. There's there's no end to it. My concern is that some of you who have kind of understood this message or or maybe have not really totally understood it at all, is that if, if you've heard it or maybe you're hearing it for the first time, have you responded in faith in Jesus only, Jesus alone, nothing else? Because all those three responses, they're all wrong. How do I know I'm a Christian? Because I've placed my faith in Christ. I don't have anything to offer God. I've placed my faith in Christ and what he's done for me. That's it. I don't have anything to offer God for my salvation, nothing. And so, before we get launched in this series that I'm so pumped about, Momentum for life, new life. I just wanted to make sure everybody throw out the life ring, if you will, one more time to make sure we all have an opportunity to grab onto this life that none of us deserve, but it's offered to all of us. And So right now, I'd like everyone to bow your heads. And I'm going to ask you just a few questions, like I did the, the service just before, just to kind of see where you're at. The reason I'm asking you to bow your heads is because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed by people looking around or maybe seeing how you respond or don't respond, because I'm going to ask you to kind of lift your hand up in response. And, I, and so I got some categories for you, three categories. First category is, a, in a moment, I want you to raise your hand, but if, you, if you've if you come here and you've set through this, and boy, you've heard this before, and you totally get it, and you're like, yeah, that's all I got, my faith in Christ. Hey, how would I answer that question? One thing, I got faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. I'm trusting him. I don't have anything else. If that's you, if that's the way you were when you walked in today, it's a slam dunk for you, with your heads about, I just want you to raise your hand. Yeah, Kevin, I got that. I understand it. I have faith. And that's all I have, and, and uh, that's all I'm hanging on to. Just hold your hand up. That's all, just let's all with our heads about everybody's hand up. If if that's you, yeah, right now, Kevin, I can tell you, I walked in here. I've already placed my faith in Christ. Thanks, thank you. And then you can put your hands down. And this another category. Second category B. Hey. Kevin, I, I'm here, and I don't think I've done that. I mean, when I think about answering that question, why am I Christian, I start talking about church and baptism and uh, things that I've done and how I've tried to follow God. Or I kind of fall back on, well, I have always believed Jesus. I can't think of a time when I didn't. That's not really it, though. But I'm ready now. I think I... I think I get it now. And so right now I'm telling you, I'm placing my belief, I'm trusting Jesus. Right now, my faith for the first day is in Jesus and only Jesus for my salvation. If that's you today, with our heads bowed, I would just like to see your hand so I could pray for you. Still one more category. Thank you. Thank you. Right, two right down here. Thank you. Just put it up where I can see it, and then you can put it right up. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Put it up. Put it back down. Let me let me kind of see it. And then maybe the third category, just, just for honesty's sake, would be... Yeah, I... I really don't think I've ever done that, and I'm not sure that I'm ready now. Not yet. But pray for me that that I'll get this all figured out. Just, hey, no, that's not true of me, but I'm not quite ready right now. If you just put your hand up, I see you. I'll be praying for you. Just put it up and kind of let me see you. Just put it down. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird or anything else. Thanks. Thank you. Let's pray. Father. And Father in heaven, I can just stop a moment. When, when I say let's pray, I mean let's pray this together. I mean, you know, as I get to represent all of us, that that you can join me in this prayer to make it your prayer. And that's what I mean when I say let's pray. So let's pray. Silently in your own heart, pray this prayer with me. Father in heaven, God, I thank you for loving me. Lord, allowing your son Jesus to die for me on the cross. And God, I realize I have nothing to bring to the table. Nothing to say this is why I should be okay with you. I have nothing but my brokenness and my sin and my cracks. But God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for grace. I thank you for allowing Jesus to come and die for me to pay my penalty so that I can be forgiven. I can be Pardon, but justice is still served. God, thanks for making a way for that to happen where I can be forgiven and you can still be a totally just God. And God, for those who just have placed their faith in you for the first time today, God, I pray that you would come into their lives in a way that they they would know it Lord and we ask that you would help all of us to live out your life not not that that earns us salvation anyway just an expression of gratitude that we would want to follow you with our life that doesn't save us but just help us live your way help, help us to please you just cuz we want to love you back And Father we pray for for those who said, nah, I, I'm not quite ready. God, we pray. We thank you that they're here. And God, we pray that they don't wait too long because you've not guaranteed any of us another day. That help them to understand, help them to come to you, place their faith in you. And Lord, when we do that, we know that, that you come into our lives forever. God, thanks for loving us more than we've ever dared dream that you know us you know our flaws you know our secrets you know our sin you know our twistedness and our brokenness and you love us anyway god thank you help us to live for you in christ's name amen let's stand together a couple things before you leave for those of you that uh, that place your faith in christ for the first time today I'd invite you to swing by the information table and grab a booklet called I'm In. It's just say, hey, I'm in. You know, It just kind of helps you explain the privacy of your own home decision that you've made, what that means. Or if you have questions or would like to talk about it, we'd love to meet you. Uh, I'll be there. Maybe some of the other pastors will be in room one. It's the double doors that you can see right on this corner of the room. Step through there. I'll, we'll be happy to talk with you and answer any questions you have. And I got to tell you, Remember, next Sunday, we're kind of launching this practical series, STEAM Momentum for Life. I think you're going to love it. I'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being with us. You're dismissed.